Well, good morning. My name is Rich. I am one of the other pastors on staff. It's nice. There's more than just two of us now, isn't there? We have three pastors on staff, and it's good to have you guys here this morning. Um, back in 1996, I attended a men's conference in Syracuse called Promise Keepers. Some of you may be old enough to remember Promise Keepers. It was held in the Carrier Dome, and it was packed out with 30,000 men. This was probably one of the most significant events that I have been to as a believer up to that point and maybe even since. Um, God was really moving in my heart at that time, and I think he was touching the hearts of pretty much every guy in there. Um, it had been a couple of days of really good speaking, good worship, um, and we had come to the closing song on that Saturday afternoon, and um, our church that I was going to at that time brought about 20 men. And one of the guys I was with was a good friend of mine, and he had told me beforehand, he goes, look, when you start worshiping, I am not raising my hands just because everybody else is. I said, fine, that's okay. Um, so just as the, the, the closing session was coming about, we had some good speakers, and the worship band started playing this song um, that was really powerful. They had led us really up to that point into the presence of God, and um, they started playing this song called Knowing You, Jesus. It's an older song. Obviously, this is back in 1996. Um, but 30,000 men singing this song, and it was really something special. And it, it was one of those moments where you felt like it's just you and God alone. I mean, there wasn't 30,000 other guys there with us. It was just you and God alone. And it was really a powerful moment. And some of the lyrics to that song goes like this. It says, now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness. And the chorus said, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're my best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Knowing you, Jesus, is the greatest thing. Whoops. There is no better thing than following Christ. There is no better thing than knowing Jesus. And as followers of Christ, we have that incredible honor and privilege of knowing him personally. In John 17, 3, Jesus said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Gaining eternal life is not a matter of what you know, but who you know. Christians who only focus on the Bible and reading God's word and knowing the scripture and only knowing about God are missing out on really knowing who God is. Remember, it was the religious leaders and the scholars at that time, the people who knew Scripture the best. They knew God the best. They're the ones that crucified Christ, aren't they? So knowing God or knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus is different than really knowing him. Jesus pointed this out in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. 
Away from me, you evildoers. Many claim to know Jesus, but in reality, they don't. That song that we sang at that Promise Keepers Conference was based on Philippians 3, where Paul expresses his desire to know Christ. And in Philippians 3.10, he said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That's the NIV translation. But I happen to look at the Amplified Version, and it says this. It says, so that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in that way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by, continually, by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did. He wants to know him experientially. He wants to more thoroughly become acquainted with him. He wants to know Christ, not just know about him. He wants to know him in order that he might be like him. See, we can't be like Jesus unless we know him. And Paul yearned to be like Jesus, and you and I should yearn the same way. But how do we know Jesus? How do we get to know Christ? Well, just like we get to know anybody else in this world, we do what? We spend time together with them. We talk to them. We interact with them. We observe how they interact with other people. We observe how they handle stressful situations. We get to know them that way. We talk to them. So how do we get to know Jesus? We open up the Bible. This tells us about him. But we don't just read the words about him. We also observe how Jesus interacts with other people. How did Jesus act when he met with the woman caught in adultery? Or the Samaritan woman at the well? How did he treat her? How did he respond to her? How did he respond to the Pharisees and his disciples? How did he interact with them? We learn about Jesus as we watch him in action. So don't just read the words about Jesus. Observe how he lived and how he spoke and how he acted. And then talk to him in prayer. Now that's not, I'm not talking about you look at your watch and say, I got five minutes before I have to go to work. I'll spend some time in prayer. Mm, that's probably not going to work. We need to spend time with him, slowly speaking to him, opening our hearts to him, and then being quiet and listen to his voice. One of the reasons we're doing this series on the I am statements is so that we get to know Jesus better, so we understand him more. These seven I am statements or word pictures that Jesus shared with us to describe himself give us a better understanding of who he is so that we can be more like him. Now, we've already looked at the first three I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And I am the door. 
And in each of those statements, we got to see a little different aspect of Jesus. We learned a little bit more about him and about us. And this week, we are looking at the fourth I am statement. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Well, before we dig into this, let's open up with a word of prayer and ask God blessing on our time. Father, we are so thankful for your word in which you reveal yourself to us. This morning, I pray you would do just that. That as we open up this passage of scripture and as Jesus shares with us who he is, man, that would touch deep into our hearts and we'd understand him better and more so that we can be more like him. Lord, be with us this morning as your truth is proclaimed. In Christ's name, amen. So if you open up your Bibles to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verses 1, or 11, excuse me, 11 through 18. Last week, Pastor John shared out of the same chapter, but the first 10 verses, where he shared about where Jesus said, I am the door. But this week, we're looking at where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So as I've studied this passage, and when uh, Pastor John asked me to speak on this, I thought, oh, okay, what, am, what, am I, what are you going to talk about here? What, what lessons can we learn from when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? And I found there was three that I picked out here that I wanted to share with you this morning. Three things we learn about Christ, three things we need to know about Jesus. And the first one is that we need Jesus to live out the gospel on a daily basis. Now, this chapter 10, he is, I am the good shepherd. Last week, John was talking about sheep. So we have a sheep theme going on in this chapter. So we need to know a little bit about sheep when he says, I am the good shepherd. In our day and age and where we live, I don't know a whole lot about sheep or shepherding. So if we look a little bit, we find out that sheep are not the brightest of animals. Some would actually say they're dumb. Um, I would, however, like to say they're dependent animals. They're more dependent. Um, they're defenseless. They don't have any speed. They don't have any strength. They don't really have any claws, nothing to fight back with. They're pretty defenseless. They rely on the shepherd to defend them. So when they go out into the fields, they, they are open to being attacked by animals or thieves. They need the shepherd to protect them. So they're pretty defenseless. At night, when they, they come into their pen, the shepherd lays across the door so they can't get out and no animals or thieves can get in. So they need protection. There are also animals that you would probably say have attention deficit disorder. They forget what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're grazing and they're wandering in their field and they just keep wandering around and they may wander off from the flock. They may wander off a cliff into a cave. They just, they lose track of where they're at. So they need a shepherd to take his staff and to just guide them back, bring them back into the flock, help them stay close and safe. They're also directionally impaired. They don't know where they're going. I mean, they could be grazing in the same field every day, and they don't know their way. So in the passage we read last week, John said, we let the sheep out, and he goes in front of them, 
and he leads them. They know his voice, and they follow him. Sheep, surprisingly, will not follow a stranger. If another shepherd comes by that are they're not his, their shepherd, they won't follow him. They'll run away. So they know their shepherd's voice. They trust their shepherd, and they will follow their shepherd. And he leads them to, as we see in Psalm 23, green pastures and still water. He takes them where there's food and there's water. He provides for them. So the sheep really need this shepherd. Without them, man, they're in trouble. So in this story, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Well, who's the sheep in this story? Who are the dumb, defenseless sheep? Yeah, you have to raise your hands. That's us. Now, God didn't make us like sheep. He didn't say you are dumb and defenseless. He actually made us in his image. So we, we have reasoning. We have choice. We have intelligence. We are smarter than sheep. We can, we can actually get by on our own a little bit. So we're not exactly like the sheep where we need that much care. But the dumb part may fit for some of us. The helpless may fit for some of us. So we are similar to sheep in many regards. We do need protection, don't we? Now, we may not need protection from physical things, but certainly from spiritual things. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's an enemy out there looking to devour us. And if we wander from the flock, we are more susceptible to being attacked by the enemy. We're doing a study on Wednesday night about the Old Testament. And last week we were talking about the fall and how Satan came in and deceived Adam and Eve. And we were talking a little bit about Satan. And we were reading a passage in Ezekiel that talked about how beautiful he is. God created him. He is magnificent. He is beautiful. He is smart. He is very attractive. He is not this scary-looking thing we see in movies. We would be attracted to him. But he is a liar and a deceiver, and he's out to destroy us. So we need to be on our guard, and we need someone to protect us from him. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We have a powerful spiritual enemy, and we need a spiritual defender, and that's where Jesus comes in. He is our defender. We also tend to wander off like sheep sometimes, don't we? Where we sometimes lose our way. We sometimes eh, maybe get off the rails a little bit. We, we get out of our routine. We, we get sucked into the things of the world. We, we fall into the desires of the flesh. These new cars that come out now, they have this thing called a lane departure warning system where if you start drifting into another lane, it not only probably flashes a light, maybe gives a little beeping, but it actually moves 
the car back into the lane you're supposed to be in. And we have something like that. It's called the Holy Spirit. So as we are starting to drift a little bit away from the Lord, the Holy Spirit, we have him comes and kind of guides us back into where we should be and keeps us back on track. Too easy for us to drift away from the Lord when the things of this world are just so appealing. We get distracted and we lose our way. And when it comes to following and the directions we go, we are also sometimes spiritually directionally impaired. We're not sure of the way to go. We're not sure what we should do. We need a guide. Now, we're all headed for the same destination, but we're all starting at different points, aren't we? We're all not taking the same path. I mean, my walk with the Lord, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I attended a Lutheran church for the first 23 years of my life. Never really heard the gospel there. But then ended up at a Baptist church. Then from there we went to a Presbyterian church, a Wesleyan church, back to another Baptist church. My path was a little different. Some of you may have gone through the path of addiction, abuse, broken homes. Your path is different than mine. We're all different. We don't always follow the same path. Sometimes the way is unclear. We need someone to show us the way. And that person is Jesus. And the better we know him and the better we follow him, the better off we will be. We need to listen to our good shepherd. We need to follow our good shepherd. We need to know his voice and follow him. Now, one of the most important things I think we need to follow Jesus for is if we are going to live a gospel-centered life, I can't do that apart from him. I can't do that apart from him. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, maybe. When he says, love your enemy, uh, that one's probably beyond me. When he says, forgive, not just forgive once, but forgive 70 times 7, okay, I, I need his help on that one. When he says, be generous and give sacrificially, I need his help. When he says, Bear witness for me. Go out and share the gospel. Well, I don't do that so well. With his help, we can. So if I'm going to live this gospel-centered life, I need his help in doing that. I need Jesus. I need a good shepherd. But we live in a society where we're pretty self-reliant, aren't we? We're pretty self-reliant. We don't need God for the most part. I mean, I don't re ever remember a time when I worried about whether I was going to have a meal that day. And there's people in parts of this world who struggle to survive, and yet I don't worry about that. When was the last time you and your spouse made plans and say, let's do this. I think we can do this. God's leading us to do this, but we, well, we don't have the money or the time to do it. Let's do it anyway. Or even in church, 
I've been involved in church leadership in a number of different churches. I don't remember a time when we got together as a group and said, I really believe this is where God is leading us, but we don't have the time or the resources to do it, but let's do it anyway and trust God to provide. We say, well, we'll wait until we have the resources or we'll scale it back. We don't trust God or depend on him to do that. That's not really living by faith, is it? That's living by our own power, our own strength. Forty-three years ago, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, 1980, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And since that time, I have grown spiritually. Um, it has not been like that. I'd love to say it's just been a nice steady curve up. It's been up and down and plateaued and stopped and gone. And, um, but it has been growing. But I'll be honest, it's over the past two and a half years that I've truly come to learn how to depend on God. When I quit my job and I, and I came on staff here in October of 20, I had full confidence that I had the knowledge and the ability to do the job I was stepping into. I was confident in myself that I could do that. Well, when our interim pastor left, I was now thrust into a role I was not trained for nor capable of doing. So what did I do? I turned it over to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Kind of lip service kind of turned it over to the Lord. I didn't really depend on him and trust him. So I did it on my own for a bit until it became painfully apparent to me I couldn't do it. So then I really surrendered it to him, saying, God, I can't do this. And it is then he stepped in. Once I let go of the reins, once I gave him control, and he did, he took over. Do we have that kind of faith where we can just say, God, I need you, and we really turn it over to him? He's my good shepherd. Is he yours? I learned how to follow Jesus a couple years ago. I don't want to give or take control back. So we need to follow Jesus and to know Jesus to live out the gospel. Secondly, we also need Jesus to live an abundant life. We saw at the chapter, John chapter 10, verse 10 from last week, he says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Well, how do we do that? Living according to the ways of the world, is that an abundant, full life? Well, sometimes we think it is, and then life falls apart. And we say, oh, it's not. Jesus tells us in John 15 that because the world hated him, they're going to hate us. If they persecute him, they're going to persecute us. He says, in this world, you will have much trouble. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But what? Take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has promised us a full and abundant life. But that doesn't come by living by the ways of the world. It comes by living by the ways of the Spirit. 
Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not the fruit of man. It's not the fruit of the flesh. It's fruit of the Spirit. We need to live by the Spirit. We need to live in the power of Jesus. If we're going to experience a life that is full and abundant and full of joy and peace, we need him in order to experience that. Apart from him, we can't live it. So we need him to live out the gospel. We need him to experience an abundant life. And finally in this passage, we need Jesus to live for eternity. If you look at John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18, eight verses, five times in those eight verses, Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Five times I lay down my life for my sheep. I'm guessing if he says something five times in eight verses, we ought to pay attention. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The reason my Father loves me is I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Just like a shepherd is willing to give his life for the sheep, not the hired hands, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus gives his life for us. Where he is paying the penalty for your sin and mine. Our debt is paid. We are reconciled to God. Today is Palm Sunday, the day when Jesus triumphantly enters Jerusalem. People are waving palms and saying, Hosanna in the highest. And yet just a few short days later, they're yelling what? Crucify him. Jesus was obedient to his Father's will and laid down his life for you and me. We're sinners in need of a Savior. 43 years ago, on that day, I realized I needed a Savior. The pastor got done preaching his message, couldn't even tell you what it was on, didn't matter. But he gave an invitation and said, if you need Christ, come forward. My heart was just pounding. Man, I was, he was like dragging me out of my seat. I was the first one up there. But there was a day I really understood that I needed, I needed Jesus, I needed a Savior. That I was a sinner and could not, could not be reconciled to God. It was a day I understood how much Jesus loved me and what he was willing to do to save me. He gave his life. I understood that my sin had built a wall up between God and I and nothing could bring, that I could do could bring it down except Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, man, I encourage you, don't leave here without taking care of that. Know that Jesus loves you. And that's the only way. He says he is the only way to get to heaven. 
He is the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So if you have not done that this morning, I pray you'd see me, see Pastor John, one of the elders. We'd love to tell you about Jesus. But if you do know Jesus, and maybe you've kind of wandered off your path and you're not in a great place, come see us. We'll pray for you. We'll come and help get you back on track. Knowing Jesus, there is no better thing. He's our all. He's our best, our joy and our righteousness. That song touched my heart so many years ago, and it still does today. Knowing Jesus, he is our good shepherd. We need to follow him. He will guide us, protect us, love us, care for us like no other. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. And I am the good shepherd. Today, Jesus is our good shepherd calling each one of us to follow him. He knows your name. He knows your name. Follow him. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that not only are you a good shepherd, you, you pursue us when we wander off. You desire that we never leave you, that we are always a part of your fold. You will love us, care for us, provide for us like no other. If we look for that from anywhere else but you, we're missing the target. So Lord, this morning I pray you to press upon our hearts that we would desire to know you, follow you, live in your power and your strength. That someday we may be transformed into your image. Oh, Lord, be with us. In Christ's name, amen. Now, as you leave here today, go with him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or can imagine according to his power that works within us. Amen. You guys are dismissed. <clears throat>